morning, good afternoon. I'm Bill Connor, and you've reached the Digital Shop Talk Radio, where we gather with our panelists to discuss all things in an honest and open manner as they relate to the digital shop. Today, uh, Ken Anderson has agreed to join us again. He's been a panelist many times. He's the owner of B&L Quality Repair, LLC, and AutoVital's founder, Uber Klein-Smith, is here as well. Join us for a discussion about why the success of shops already having gone digital is so repeatable, and what other are the effects of going digital on your business? Today, we're going to go into some details of why the digital shop is so extremely helpful in this particular endeavor. What are some of the examples or advantages and pitfalls you might run into? As always, teamwork is required in the shop to provide the best results. You're going to take away some tips today about using the digital shop to improve your operation while planning your business strategy. As always, you'll learn from our guest panelists who operate shops just like yours. So if you wouldn't mind, how about getting us started and um, we'll get Ken all wound up here. Thank you. Thank you, Ken, for uh, joining again. Always a great podcast. Um, yeah, we wanted to we wanted to dig a little bit more in reasons why many, many shops who are going digital or they think they are and, and it's substantial amount kind of mm. not go digital. They just replace the paper tool by the digital inspection tool. Yep. Right? And, and, and leave a lot of opportunity on the table. And it's sometimes unclear whether that's just because they don't want to go further or whether certain old ways habits prevent them from taking the next step and as we all know it's super hard to change habits it doesn't matter in what area of our life and so Ken what we would like to do today is use you as an example where we go back and 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 identify old ways right what was customer interaction like before going digital and, and, and what was so ingrained that it is hard to change? What is, what concerns the service advisor and technician communication, right? Um, what trends in the industry or trends in motorist education have fostered the change or are still um, preventing the benefits of going digital? And, and that's all nice and dandy in, in a philosophical sense, but we really want to go down to details and help shops to identify those things and maybe take a step to change them. So if you can you, although you have been on the on the podcast already, would you mind quickly um, reminding us how big is your shop? Uh, when did you start? What's the growth phase? Give us some KPIs, number of employees, revenue, if you don't mind, AO and, and those things. It uh, started out 13 years ago. Uh, right now, it's just, it's just a two-man shop, I still, you know, doing everything. Uh, at present, I've got seven employees. Uh, KPIs were over seven, 750 ARO, 750 to 850 range. It bounces a little bit. Um, and we are on the track this year to be 1.4 to 1.5 million gross sales. Very cool. Uh, we do have it's a, 
I do have two buildings. It is, uh, it is in a, excuse me, it is in a industrial area. So it's, uh, I do have nine bays total, operational bays, but four mechanics. Uh, but I'm also, our mechanics, I don't have like an A-line mechanics. Uh, we, we grew, we're growing our own mechanics. Um, so I got a couple of, uh, uh, a very young crew, if you will, overall. Uh, and we're expanding, uh, ever expanding. We're now getting into starting to get into diesels and a few other things um, that we were not before. We're just an all, all makes all model shop, except for European. We kind of shy away from those. Uh, that's overall has been, I have to say it's been, it's been a good ride, I have to admit. Um, and obviously starting out in this endeavor, uh, it was when I, you know, I came from a dealership background, uh, the, so it was nice to get out on your, on your own, you know, as has been said before, once you decide to hang your shingle, it's, uh, the fear of failure is going to kick in, uh, for most mechanics, uh, cause it is the mechanics way. I mean, it's, uh, I did not have the luxury of coming up on the, on the business side of things. So, so this is, this is all new. There is a lot of things that happened while you starting out that you, you know, you want to run your business a certain way uh, as a, you know, as you're doing everything on the floor, turn wrenches, calling for parts, and you are interacting with the customer. Uh, and so how you interact with the customer suddenly gets ingrained in you over the years, because that's, you find what works for you. And then you, you kind of lock into that and you stay there. And that's one of the things that makes it very, it's very difficult to, uh, when you start introducing new concepts or more people, um, you're, it's kind of hard to, to let go of that. And that's one of the things, right. like we said, kind of a rut you get into comfort zone that you have a hard time. And there's always been uh, from, you know, having come from you know, the dealership, like there's always the red, yellow, green check you know, inspection sheets have been in the industry forever. And so we always offered something along that line. Um, so you have a method. We incorporate that with our, at that time, you know, point of sale system. Uh, and we didn't have a separate sheet. It was just part of the repair order automatically. Mm -hmm. So everyone got it. And then, you know, as time goes by, when you start making some changes, you realize you have to make some changes to grow because otherwise you, you just can't do it all yourself unless you wish to be a, you know, if you're a one or two man shop and that's all you want to be, that's great. But most guys, you know, most people want to strive and try to grow. That's their big thing. You know, they don't want the, the growth. Look at the big dollars and and compete with every, you know, or, or be a big dog on the block type of thing, you know, and it doesn't always, mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't always work for everybody. Um, but once you start realizing it, you start, you have to be able to look at it and then working with who you're, because um, for a while I was working by myself because my first part of uh, Endeavor was a business partner that split. So we, you know, so I was by myself and I, I there's no way I could keep up with everything. You know, I could not mm -hmm. produce what I, you know, turn the wrenches, get the car. It just didn't work. It just was physically impossible. And I knew I did not want to be a one-man shop. Um, so my desire was to grow. So again, fear of failure, because this is my life savings and everything. Well, to open up this venture, I'm not going to fail. And I started getting into some of the electronic things, you know, and as we started getting into employees, that's when things changed. Um, from one of the hard things to change from was having actually hiring a service advisor or somebody to take over the customer interaction. So you could be free to turn the wrenches if you were doing that because I was still working in the business, not on it. Um, and that was a very difficult 
I think anybody who's made that transition will tell you they it's a hard hard thing to let go because how you one the customers get used to you, um, and that was one of our mottos actually uh, was you you're coming to our shop you talk to the mechanic who's working on your car, you know you're not you're not talking to a third party that relays a message and gets it wrong, uh, you're talking directly to the person who's going to work on your car, um, and the, and obviously now we don't do that you know we have a service advisor right. a little bit of a buffer, um, but once you that, that transition point is very difficult because you don't want to let go it's you have to let go and you have to try you know you you want to coach and work and with the person you you have in that position and it might take you a couple times to find the right fit who would you know the fit with your how you work um and if you at that time by the time you have a service advisor generally you will have um or somebody up front to take the load off of you generally speaking you'll have another person in the back with you um so you kind of have to start to start to have the, the, the makings of a you know if you will, a corporation, you know, so if you're starting to get a hierarchy going and some of the changes you've got to make, you don't realize you're making them. Um, or you don't, you know, you, you come up to them as, as a wall and you beat your head against it, trying to say, okay, how do I do this? And then you, but you realize it was yourself holding you, you are holding yourself back because you can't micromanage everybody in your facility. And when you do that, you lose. You have, so you make a team, form a team, talk back and forth, you know, and actually everybody's included, you know, make it a big deal. But then when you start trying to bring up your old ways, like the inspections, and like you say, going digital, um, it's very common, as you, as you alluded, we'll just replace the paper, red, red, yellow, green, with a digital. Here's a picture of it's red, red, yellow, green. Mm-hmm. Um, and not utilize and not leverage the rest of the system well there i mean that's and i don't i think we all know shops that are, are do that and it's okay why not look at the you know that it's kind of hard to see the vision again because you're, you're so deep in your comfort zone this is how we've done inspections for the last 10 years this is how we're going to continue doing them that works fine our customers believe them and they like them um and then you realize if you actually step out of that and actually take that risk um that mill of the customers really don't like them because they're just a check sheet and doesn't really give the customer any information. Um, it just, it here's a bunch of numbers, customer may or may not understand it. When, and yet of course that's then you come in with, that's where the service advisor or the mechanic would come in and, and have a discussion with the customer. And you try and talk, you, you know, you try to educate the customer or at least we've, in our location, we've always tried to uh, educate so they understand what they're doing. What, why, does, why does this need to be on the car? With the new digital coming out there and the way, you know, COVID kind of pushed that because you couldn't have the interaction anymore. But that really threw a big loop in it from, so the old ways, if you will, when you're in your little comfort zone and have a piece of paper and you can sit across the counter and you're talking to each other, or you have a picture on your camera, or, you know, maybe you have a, maybe you had a camera, a shop camera that you had digital that you could turn around and show the customer the pictures that were out there. if you were that advanced at it, you know, uh, but they were still, or just flat, flat take the customer to the car and say, here's, here's why, you know, here's what we found. Here's that funky noise that you're hearing. And then, you know, suddenly they build trust because they don't know what they're looking at. You know, honestly, 80% of the people that go out there have no clue, but they see this parts broken or moving. They understand a broken part. Um, right. And then they realize that, okay, you're, you're working, you know, that's how, you know, that's how we used to build relationships. 
Um, and then once we, once you have COVID come in where we, everybody was locked down, you couldn't, you know, six feet and you couldn't do all this other, you know, there's really no way to interact with the customer like we used to that forced a change. And that kind of brought up a lot of the digital, which luckily we were, we were going digital before that. Um, and then went through that with it, but it, that made a big difference, but you can't just swap the paper for the tablet. I mean, you have to actually utilize the rest of the features and understand what it is you're doing. You're moving the education from your front counter with a service advisor or under the car with a mechanic, you're moving that to the consumer and their phone and their computer themselves. You're doing the same thing and you have to think about it as the same thing, but you also, because once everything shifts over, then you're- It's a little bit different though, because you're actually moving to a point where the customer is educating themselves by what you sent instead of the mechanic pointing to it, saying what it is and so on. So you're yes. actually putting the customer in a lot different position than they used to be in the past. It's and a position it's, that kind of empowers them, so to say. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what we tried to do that. That's where the digital part comes in. And a lot of people don't, I think, do not understand that part of it. They're scared. Um, maybe that's not the right word, but they're concerned about giving the customer that much information. Um, right. There is, you know, it's, it's not like we're some hidden behind some magic curtain that we're working on your car. I mean, this is a, it's a mechanical thing or electronic thing. And here's, here's, here's what we need to do to fix it. Just be upfront, and it's it's not a dark art of anything, you know, where we wave magic wands and incantations over your vehicle. And it's done. Um, it'd be nice if we could some days, you know. Uh, there's, but once you have to get that in your head, and, and a lot of times it can be very hard because okay, well, I have digital, I've got digital inspections now. That's the 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 key phrase or the big, you know, the big big word around the the industry of digital vehicle inspections, DPI. Okay, well, I've got it now. What do I do with it? Or how do I? And that's where it seems like everybody kind of drops the ball. There's um, myself, I've never, uh, never really wanted to give the customer an estimate with the pictures and everything we send them. They don't have numbers. Because as we know, even if you're trying to sell, uh, if the old days, you know, you pick up the phone and you, and you try to explain the broken part to a consumer or to somebody who may not have a clue what you're talking about. So you're trying to educate them the best you can with words, you're trying to paint a picture with words. Well, now the DVI, you give that to them, let them look it over, then you call them and talk to them. And you see on, you know, sir or ma'am on the se second picture down, that is the, that is the uh, tie rod link we were talking about. That's what that's called. That's doing the clunk clunk. You know, you watch your little video, uh, we show you that it's actually, that movement isn't in there is not correct. Um, and then there's that video that usually goes out with them, that the educational minute and a half, minute and 45 seconds of what the part is. That turns around sales and, and it's, a, it's a soft sell. So it works very good with the consumer. All the things that we tried to do before in the old ways, it just moved to a different realm. And we are in, actually more so empowering the customer to make their decisions accurately and not based on dollars, but based on what they need on their car. Because before you take them out and show them on the car, well, now you hit, now you send it to them and explain to them via video pictures, uh, again, a wordage, uh, but then you just don't, you're just not doing it in person. And that's the piece. It seems that there's connection from having, I got DVI to, I still want to talk to the customer. 
you know, or we do. And that's one reason, you know, we, when we send an uh, estimate out for the work, we don't send the estimate out to the work with the inspection you know, because we utilize uh, the digital part on both the work order and on the inspection side. So it's for, mm -hmm. for, it's for the whole system. Um, so when we send it to the customer, we don't include prices on anything. And I do that intentionally because uh, we've all done it. You know, what do you do? You look down and you, oh, you're, you look down a list of things and you, you're going pricing first. I mean, just inherently, we just naturally look at the price first. We don't either, what's the most expensive? What's the cheapest? Okay. And then you start working from there. Well, if you take that number, that, that stigma out of, the, out of the equation, the customer is more likely to read through and understand what they really need. And then they call and we want to work with them. On, uh, we've always wanted to work with them on their budget. You know, hey, this, we, can, we can prioritize what needs to be done and what doesn't. Well, in the old days, we did that face-to-face -face and we would, here's this estimate, here's, here's how much money you need to set aside for the next time you're in. Uh, it's just a different, different way. We're just doing it all electronically now. But making that jump is the hard part because you, you feel like many times a service advisor or owner uh, or even mechanic sometimes would feel like you're losing control of the situation because you're turning it all over to them and you're not the one holding all the cards and you've got to you know, rely on it. If I may uh, um, expand on this, because this is, in my opinion, one of the biggest um changes of habit and as you said loss of control is one of the biggest fears yeah. in in general right and so if you put yourself in a motorist shoes who have gotten used to since the amazon days to explore everything online on their own time in their control and now get kind of forced to listen to the service advisor on the phone in the old ways right and then that's not the bad part the bad part is you have to remember all this there exactly <laughs> right As, well, anytime it back you to somebody else it's, it's part of the equation exactly and, and 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 i think most people can't and they're in a business meeting or about to be late to something right so so this portion of not on my timeline, mm -hmm. let's, let's simplify decision-making super easy. Do I need the car? Do I have the budget? I say yes, right? There's no real education going on. It's more like I have to make a decision now in the next 10 minutes because I have ABC waiting for me, right? Whereas the digital way is educate, spend time, be fine with losing control, apparently, although it's not losing control because what you put on the picture is your way of competing with Google. And the better you do that, mm -hmm. the, 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 the more likely is the customer will never use Google because he, your education is so amazing that it's, it's actually not loss of control. It will be a higher value for the customer. And as long as there's a picture of the service advisor on the inspection sheet, they know that information comes from the same person I talked to on the phone last year. Right. There you go. Absolutely. Absolutely. The digital it's process, what it really did, the digital process, what it really did is it exposed to the shop owner and staff that it's the customer that's been in control all the time. The customer's in control of your destiny. 
And if you educate the customer and let them make informed decisions, your destiny is going to go ahead and be a lot better off than if you're waving hands, trying to explain things using different sales tactics and sales pressure. You remove that pressure and take care of it through education. Again, you know, to me, it seems like since we've gone digital, it's really made the customer in a position where they feel like they're in control of their own destiny. And that's really what, you know, the consumer wants to do. They want to make their own decisions. Amazon's proved that 100%. You know, otherwise people wouldn't be reading reviews and, and looking over, seeing all the features and benefits and so on. So, again, um, we're just transitioning to moving the customer to where they're getting what they really want, and, and that's helping the shops out. And and now another change which goes with it, and I have a question for you, Ken, is there has to be a drop-off, a conversation introducing that process. Right. Yes. And so, yes. so my my question to you is: When did you introduce digital inspections, and when? How much later? Did was a drop off conversation. <laughs> was was the drop off conversation introduced? Uh, which is, you're going to get in ninety minutes a text message. Please check it out and give us a call. Right instead of. We're interrupting you and, and giving you a 20 minute spiel on what's wrong with Ocon. Right. When, because prior to, to getting with Auto Vitals and having a DVI period on our old system, right. we've, we've adopted text messaging as quickly as we, we finally oh, realized okay, cool. that we had to do texting. Um, mm -hmm. And that made it much easier for a quick connection. Hey, please call. We have information on your car and the phone number um that way they could and then they usually would at their time they could call back so we right. were kind of on the on the the cusp of it and then once we cool. started sending the other things that at that point we were trying to say that the customer coming in and by all means we were not perfect i mean we still struggle with it uh as a matter of fact working on a brochure now uh, as we had that talk with bruce earlier uh the counter brochure of what to expect when you come into our facility um right. we but we did try to i guess warn or, or arm the customer saying that we were going to be sending you something via text it's not spamming you we're not trying to this is just information about your car and what we find today on your car so if you would please look it over and, ex and potentially expect a call from us or call us back uh we would appreciate that and we you know we get your get your repair taken care of quickly um, or something to that effect. I mean, there was, we tried a variety of different things. Mm -hmm. It was not always told. I mean, because obviously it's, again, you, it's a habit you never had to do before. Because for drops off keys, you talk about a few things and they're out the door with their ride or what have you. Or as all of since COVID there, they, you never even see the customer. They drop the keys off, you show up, the keys are here and they pick up after you're closed. Um, so once you and I, if I may, I think the biggest ch challenge is for a service advisor who was a seasoned service advisor, always mm -hmm. has a lot of pride in being the expert and telling the customer on the phone what's wrong with the car and be in control of that conversation now has to take a step back. Yep. and rely on the process that the customer actually gets 
opens the text message, reads, mm -hmm. takes time to study the pictures, and then calls back, right? That's a, there's fear involved, right? Lots of control. And, and overcoming is. that, overcoming that is, I think, a big deal. One of the ways to think about it that was would be helpful is that you're not really losing. Yes, you're losing control because you don't have that, you know, all the years of phone, phone, you know, the experience they have had where they, they maintain the control of the conversation. The same thing can happen and does happen the better they take care of the, the inspection or the information you're sending them. You know, if you documentation that you're doing is the same thing you're talking to them on the phone, but it's going to be in a way that they, it's not going to have that pressure feeling to them. And it's actually going to take a load off of you um, because almost every seasoned service advisor has actually stepped up and decided to accept this, you know, and, and run with it and not, not run away from it have actually decided I mean, I've heard, and I'm sure you have as well. I wish I would have done this when you first put it on. I wouldn't have thought it so much. It's really because I am now, I am better connected with my customers because they understand more. It's a relaxed conversation and where I'm not trying to talk to, talk over the customer, over their head, trying to explain something that is simple for me, but I, I can't, I even the picture, they see what's wrong. They ask me questions about the car that I would not normally ask them. And then, so they get you start, it opens up a, a dialogue uh, much easier. And they are still in control because, as you say, right. there's your picture at the top of the screen. So that person knows that they are the ones that sent that information. Um, right. And it's, but it now is being consumed at their leisure or on their time. You know, if they're in the middle of a meeting, they obviously can't answer the phone. So it might be 20 minutes later. Uh, there's a few things like that that you just have to adjust for the times. Right. And since business meetings are all boring, they would rather use that time to investigate <laughs> the inspection results. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, so, so, so that's one old ways, right? You know, turn the direct control into an indirect control and and get the inf educational information out to the motorist um, and then expect a phone call with buying questions, basically. Um, what else have you noticed? Um, so for example, inspection rate by the technicians, which I wanna go back to trends in the industry a little bit. It's, I don't know, how long is it ago that shops basically focused on fixing stuff. There was no maintenance even thought about. Well, my coming up through the dealership was never was never maintenance, always warranty work. So that was very I interesting. It, we did we had very little maintenance coming through, although we wanted maintenance because it was, you know, we knew what it was good for the customer in the car mm -hmm. and profitable. Mm -hmm. But um, a lot of the maintenance went to the independents. So I'm, I'm, that's kind of pre, pre me, if you will. Uh, okay. Uh, for that part, but at the, from the dealership side, we were always striving to do maintenance and have maintenance work done. But most consumers, did, <coughs> excuse me, did not wish to pursue that. Right. I think and, in the mid '80s, that's kind of when it when it changed, though, because before that, it was pretty much a repair type business. And then about in the mid '80s, when the prices or the price and value of vehicles started going up. 
that's when there was kind of a push to go and get maintenance. That's when we switched from paper repair manuals to digital, where we had access to the OEM information for the recommended services. And in the mid, early to mid 80s, I believe that's when the big push for getting people to actually do the maintenance to keep their vehicles up actually started taking place. Part of that, people didn't drive that much. It was very unusual to have a vehicle that was over 100,000 miles. And today, you know, we're getting to 250 and up. Right. One of the big differences really, I know as from the dealership side was if it was an import owner, if you had an import owner, they would be the ones that would very stringently stick to their maintenance guides. They would come in specifically, here's my, I am due for the 30,000 mile service. I am due for my 60,000 mile service. Right. You did not see that pushed at all for the American makes. It was very rare that you'd have a brake fluid. How many times did you change brake fluid? I mean, there's vehicles out there that have original brake fluid in them that have never been out, you know, 30 years later, it's still the original brake fluid in the thing, you know. Uh, but, so that kind of corresponds with what I was saying, because in the mid 80s, that's when the imports came into this market. And when they came in, they came in and they pushed the maintenance. And what that did is it changed the perception of their vehicles till they lasted longer. And then eventually the OEMs that are in U.S. decided, you know what, this seems to be the thing to do because we're getting blasted because they think these Asian cars last longer, the, the foreign cars last longer. And that's about the same time that that um, change to the maintenance came in. That would make sense because it, you, you have, how many times have you heard a, a Toyota owner say, well, I've done nothing to my car and it's lasted this long it, and it's got 300,000 mm-hmm. miles on it. Well, what they don't realize is when they went to the dealership to get things done, there was, you know, fluids were being changed. There was right. maintenance being done to the vehicle. Um, and talking with other mechanics, you know, in the, in the import to dealerships, the, the work was being done that way. They were just, they don't look at it as major repairs. You know, maintenance, they, they had a different approach to it. It was a marketing thing, um, predominantly, based between imports, take care of the vehicle and longevity compared to disposable, if you will, for lack of a better term. On the American side, there was really no, you know, hundred, like you said, Bill, 100,000 miles. I mean, what was it? load the family up and go for that Sunday drive and watch the odometer was zero, 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 because that was a big deal, you know, because yeah. it didn't, it didn't have, and, it, and you made it home after that too, then it was really good because a lot of times everything was worn out by then. Um, and things have gotten to be a lot better these days. So a lot of the thinking of how we used to do things, you know, we used to do maintenance, but it was hard. It was a hard sell because the, the American public with the American vehicles, didn't really believe in it. They, they were never, the corporations didn't push it down. The salesman never said anything about it. It was really nothing listed in their manuals about it. There was, but they wouldn't, you know, yeah, okay. I don't, they weren't educated enough to understand what the benefits were. Whereas the import driver did. I mean, it, it, and that's say back in the eighties, it was, those were the great eighties and early nineties, people walking in with their, I say with their books, Hey, I want all this work done. And it'd be a thousand, mm-hmm. $1,500 job to have their maintenance done and, and you didn't do anything. You just walked in here. I want this done. And mm-hmm. okay, we'll take care of it for you. And you know, the region of country made a big difference also, because if you were in the Northern area, by the time your car was 40,000 miles on it, basically it disintegrated anyways. Now we got into all the composite metals and plastic and stuff like that. And they have a tendency to hang around a little bit longer, even though some folks complain about having to work on them. But um you know, so there's been a lot of changes, and um, 
it's really kind of interesting right now with what's going on with the price of used vehicles and new vehicles. You know, repair shops across the country are kind of backed up because people are reinvigorated in understanding is that this is a huge investment. And in some cases, it's going up in value when it used to be the other way around. And I better take care of it. Yeah, they're looking at it as a resale value as well. They realize if they the car because their car is now more valuable, Mm -hmm. but they can't replace it as easy as they could, you know, even a year ago, year and a half ago, you just, you know, so they, somebody that would normally take a car and have it for maybe two, three years and get rid of it, get another one. Uh, even if they were used cars, they just kind of roll through them. They realize now they're keeping the, we're seeing, like you say, Bill, a lot of times two, 300,000 miles on cars, not a big deal. Um, and some of them, as long as they've been taken care of, they, uh, we finally had a customer who was pushing a half a million miles on their vehicle and it had a lot of issues, but she finally had to retire it at a half a million miles. You know, we, we really said this is not a good investment of money at this point in time. Uh, you, sometimes you got to have that. You know, we we do the same conversation with people in the past as well, and you still have to have that conversation with them nowadays. You know, but it's just uh, <clears throat> it's a little harder these days to go ahead and you tell the customer do not resuscitate this car than it was yeah. in the past, though, because of <laughs> replacement cost. Yeah, absolutely, <clears throat> absolutely. So, so let's talk about old ways in the service advisor uh, technician um, conversation. Okay. Right. Old ways are, I have a thing to discuss. You interrupt what you're doing. Then you interrupt the other person you want to talk to <laughs> <laughs> and then talk. <clears throat> and then, and then you walk back. Whether it's the service advisor going to the service You mean base. back like when the service riders were scared because the technicians were standing behind them with a bunch of pie bars waiting to talk to them those days? <laughs> <Right>. And <Yeah>. those days. <laughs> to me, to be honest, how service advisors get a status on what the progress of the work is, mm-hmm. the, the, the only way is to go to the back and ask. And exactly. And it wouldn't have mattered whether, you know, dealer or independent, same thing. You had to, you had somebody right. put their head out the door and yell, Hey, you know, Hey Bill, where are you at on that car? Right. Oh, about an hour and a half. Okay. You know, goes back or, or, or do that walk of death between the front office and the farthest bay to find out what was going on. Right. Or they're avoiding another customer and run, run it. I got to go check back here and leave with the other guy, <laughs> you know, that kind of yes. thing. <laughs> but there was a lot of times, and that was the amount of, of walking, <clears throat> I mean, if it'd be great nowadays, if they had Fitbits back then, because boy, you would have so many steps on it, would be wouldn't be funny, uh, because right. you're walking from one end to the, and it would wouldn't matter if you're the mechanic or not, because many times you'd have to go up front, because right. uh, to talk you to the need supervisor, information. need information or let them know where the status is at, or hey, this I can't go any further on this one, or vice versa, they'd have to come back to the back to you to say, okay, you know, where are you at on it, or you know, what's going on, so I can update the customer. Um, now you remember how long that was wasted uh, per repair order that you can kind of guess for people just standing around walking around i would say it's probably 20 to 30 minutes at, at least on a, on a larger ticket because you, you know if you had a single line ticket it would not be that much that bad but if you had four or five jobs on a, on a uh, repair order uh, you try to get all the questions answered at once but invariably something would come up or the so that was a kind of a service rider time spent and would Part of that be technician time also. So, that, you know, when the service writer got there, they'd interrupt the technician and go ahead and talk to them also for a period of time. Absolutely. So you were in, you were actually, you didn't, it didn't seem like it at the time because you were living it. 
but you actually the whole shop kind of ground to a halt or you took all that right. production down from you know production to zero and then you ramp back up again and get going again uh, it doesn't pop up that way though after you interrupt somebody you know it kind of takes time time to crawl back up again and go so there was a lot of the the walking and talking that now <clears throat> if you actually utilize it and have people that accept the text messaging options and the the chat functions in in auto vitals for example you just push a quick button hey i need an update ding you know and it'll take might take five minutes um but you're not you know the tech gets to a point where they you know they turn around to look at something or, or get a tool then they can look at the their message and you know chat back where they're at um so they're the, the rhythm is still going you're not interrupting the rhythm of the shop and it's so in the past for a service writer be comfortable with what the technician said a lot of times they would go back to the car and lay lay eyes on it, whereas now basically they can look at the pictures and the inspection results, get comfortable, modify it, and then now they've got the tool made for the customer also. But at the same token, you need to have a certain trust. They've got to trust each other, so you got to have a good team. You know, you got to be working together well because even now, if you have something, it doesn't matter what you send up there. Service advisor, I I don't I want to see it myself. You know, so I can explain to the customer. Um, so there's a lack of trust. And not every time, I'm saying, but there are many guys out there that still have that. You know, they don't fully believe in the system, if you will, <clears throat> or they don't trust that mechanic. You know, they trust they trust Billy Bob here, but they don't trust Joe over there. Uh, so I got to double check on whatever Joe tells me on the on the chat messages. Um, if that's a different, you know, it's a whole different topic, a whole different theory. You know, that's your that's your shop culture that needs to be worked on there. Right. And so in the past, we had to physically go ahead and, and trust that relationship. Now, today, we have the ability to actually go ahead and measure that through, you know, is the recommendations the technician making, are they actually getting to the estimate, and are they presenting to customers? So, you know, that trust can be verified in, in a different way, and you can see the trends from the different technicians, different technician service advisor grouping, so to say. Pairings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> And that in a, a multi-service advisor, multi-tech uh, facility, then you maybe find it better. You might have to shuffle around. Okay, this service advisor now is will be paired up with this mechanic because they get, you know, they hit it off real well or something. They trust each other, and their numbers both go up when they're working together. You know, you have the numbers you can measure that with, and actually see that change, and then maybe you can make that decision if if that's how you want to, you know, operate your your shop. But the biggest thing is you start having. Again, a lot of people that, that just uh, you know, replace the paper with a tablet don't realize how deep that this can actually go and what information they can clean off of it. Uh, and it's and sometimes, you know, they may know that and they get scared to know the numbers. They don't want to know how bad it really is. So in the past, we had to walk through the shop and today you just turn your head up and look at the today's vehicle page and have kind of that understanding at your fingertips. A lot of it, yes. But, 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 but that's another habit change, right? I, I, will never, I will never forget how, I don't know, it came through autovitals.com, a technician chatted in and said, I don't think he used the word bastards, but something to that effect. You allow now my boss to monitor every minute of my work. I quit. <laughs> because... Because the TVP now, if you, and so that's the question for you, Ken, how long did it take your technicians to see a benefit to check of the jobs done on the tablet? 
because it's an additional step, right? You have to take the tablet and say, I'm done. Why 50% done or whatever, right? And, and, or and even and have see the, the tablet open when they're working on a vehicle. Uh, yeah. Have the tablet open when they're working on a vehicle, right? Right. So the service advisor can immediately see the progress and doesn't need to come to the back mm -hmm. and ask, how far are you? Or check yeah. in, how far are you? Yeah. <clears throat> uh, we're not perfect at that still. <laughs> we still have a few. Uh, as far as having You're it open. You're 80% perfect. perfect. I looked. Okay. <laughs> Are you checking my numbers to get out of me in the backside? Absolutely. <laughs> that is, we don't, we really don't have a problem with it. The guys are open. The tablet's open when they work on the job. They, they understand right. the, and they do understand the reasoning for that. It's the, the part is that 10 to 25, 50, 75%. They're starting to, we're starting to really focus on that. It's, it, and it's all good, small steps. You can't take, you know, making the switch to digital is not like here. I have the digital poof. Next week we're we're rolling at this at these fancy right. numbers. Um, right. It's taken honestly. It's taken us a good year and a half. Um, you know, there's a lot of other stuff along the way as well. But honestly, year year and a half to two years. This is it's a long term commitment and a long term effort. So, but once you step by step, you got to break it off. You know, like you say, eat the elephant one bite at a time, if you will. Right. The transition and, is really similar to when you go and buy that first complicated scan tool or lab scope. It comes in the shop. You kind of use it. You use a little piece of it. And then after a certain period of time, you discover how you can actually use it to solve problems or make money. Yeah. Just like, especially on the mechanic side, like with the scan tool, if this, this one offers a, a lab scope, suddenly the first time they use that, they realize what, it, what information they get off of it. It's like a big light bulb, wow, you know? And so next thing you know, that thing's being used on every vehicle instead of just a select few. So how do we turn them light bulbs on sooner for everybody? Well, <laughs> start LED, low voltage. That's a good way to start with. <laughs> uh, the, honestly, you every shop's different. And as you brought up, Bill, you know, we, we did things backwards at our shop, but it's, find out, what works for your, you know, in your team environment and in your shop, in your culture. I mean, like we started, we didn't push the inspections at all. Matter of fact, we kind of, we started doing that and then we stopped and we just worked on the work order side. So we started, had they started using, well, replacing. Could you go the and tablet. explain what you mean by working on the work order side? Because a lot of shops seem to miss using the work order part of it to go ahead and build value into what they're doing and oh, show that complexity to the customer. That's the, that is by and far the, the, the our main, main usage of, of auto vitals is the fact that it is able to utilize the work order. You know, it's not just the DVI and that inspection, that's all it handles. It also is able to, the tech is able to record, show pictures of the work they're doing on the vehicle. Um, previously on our old system, our old ways, we would have, you know, they'd either write down what they repaired or we type it out. We had, you know, they had a terminal by their computer or by their bay uh, and then they would type out what they were doing. So they'd have to write the story, uh, no pictures, no nothing, just, you know, explain it. Well, now they can just take a picture. Here's a few words, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Customer. Here's the water leak, you know, show, show, show a little video that we, you know, where the hose is split and leaking water or the water pump's leaking and then take another snapshot of when the new parts are put on uh it's just a quick little hey take you 
kind of boosts the pride in the job that, you know, here's proof of what I did. You know, I'm not to prove, I'm not trying to scam you. This is, I'm, I'm being upfront honest with you. Um, and that was the work order side of being able to send it. And it's to document what the tech is doing. Uh, even if we're doing a, a big dash job, like you're doing uh, some HVAC work where you have to take the dash out of the vehicle, the tech, you know, they'll take a picture of it and the customer will come in. Well, why does it cost so much? Why is my, you know, why is it so expensive to have this little, this little $50 part put in? And then you pull up the pictures and say, well, this is how we had to get to that $50 part. And then they, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times it shocks them and they, well, is my car going to be the same after that? I say, well, we hope so. If not, we'll stand behind it and fix it. Uh, but it's so this still is kind of a, kind of an interesting full cycle of the process for the customer. They come in with a symptom or concern. You're going to go ahead and do the vehicle health check on it regardless so they know is their vehicle worth investing in. Right. You might go ahead and find out what the problem is during that inspection, or you might go ahead and do some pinpoint testing on it where you get the results actually on the work order where you can actually send them. And then you actually, on the actual operation, you have the pre and post repair pictures that you can actually send that part to the customer also? Yes. No, we're not, not on every single one, but there's a lot of times we'll see if it's a, uh, we're trying to do a lot more of the done. We, we obviously are very good at pictures of what's broken and what's bad, uh, but we are also trying to make sure of a more of a routine of getting the pictures of the good or, and what's been replaced or what's done. Uh, that way the customer sees a before and after shot. So just like breaks. So in the past, ideally. we used to make that customer feel good by going out there and opening the hood and, and showing them, hey, there's the bright, shiny stuff. And now yeah, we can exactly. do that digitally. And digitally, because we can't take them to the hood anymore, you know, and show them. It's just it, the time isn't there, you know, especially the consumer that you drops off for four hours and picks up after hours. You know, right. you never see that person, but you now quantify and you put value to what work you did and you send that to them. Uh, so they, they understand and it also makes it, you know, again, your mechanic, it kind of gives them the, takes pride in the work that, hey, I did this. Um, not everybody, it's not for everybody by, by every means. Some guys that don't really care, don't want to do that. But majority of the mechanics will, that I've dealt with, or we, you know, up here do, you know, they want to take a picture of what was wrong with it because they want to show, hey, here's what was wrong. And we can confirm the customer, hey, we, we diagnose it as this. And we finally get down to that piece. And yep, that's the one that's broken. Take a picture or video. And that's just proof that, yeah, we were right. You know, we're, we weren't just taking a guess at it. Do you find using the same process for all customers is, is the best way to do it versus going ahead and letting somebody arbitrarily decide, I'm going to do it for this type of customer, but this one I'm not going to do it for? Do you just treat them all the same? Pretty much. I mean, it's really, it's, it's on a, and it's kind of up, up to the mechanic. I mean, we're trying to push a little bit harder so we get more of it universally. And that's going to be just proof of, you know, the changes to proof the job was done correctly. Um, if they come, well, you didn't fix, you know, you charged me this and I did You get some of the occasions you still get that customer that wants to you know, argue with you about something or about price or, and you're not trying to, you, know, you don't want to be argumentative. You're not trying to be combative with the customer. Uh, and it could just be they're having a bad day and they're starting to, you know, unload on you. And then you present this information to them and say, well, here's the steps we took. Here's the pictures and here's the video. And all of a sudden they're kind of, Oh, well, you're, you're, you know, you're being honest, you know, again, if that transparency part comes up, you know, that we're not trying to hide anything from them. Here's the, here's what we did. It's up front. You know, we're not, you know, we're not hiding anything behind a curtain from you. So for the consumer, the bad word in the industry right now is diagnostics. You know, a customer, when they hear that word, they go ahead and kind of cringe. So being able to go ahead and document, you know, inspections that were done and the testing was done. 
helps go ahead and, and enable the shop to go ahead and actually build value into what they have to charge to actually locate these problems on these complex vehicles? Uh, it definitely, it helps a lot because again, like you say, that is kind of the trendy, you know, cringe word is diagnostics. Um, because people think it's just plugged in as a scan tool and poof, it tells you what's wrong. So why, why are you charging me this hour labor, you know, a hundred dollars or whatever to, to fix out? I already told you that the parts house told me it was an O2 sensor. Uh, well, no, there's more to it than that. But then you start going through and documenting, like we will use it to take pictures of the scan tool, um, screenshots of the, of the scan tool and the tests we went through. Well, here's, here's proof of that the O2 sensor is just fine. Uh, it's working beautifully. Here's where your real problem is. It was a mass airflow sensor. Um, it's not the, you know, and here's the reason it is that way. Here's the steps that we took to take it, uh, to get to that. Uh, that's our, you know, our uh, diagnostic procedure to realize we put the correct part on for you and not the wrong part and have you come back. So and it's have not, the no problem. longer a car or truck. It's a network computer that's drivable. It, that's what it is. Yeah. You know, you get cars that are, how many computers, 18, 20, 30 computers on a vehicle. Fifty. Yeah. Fifty on your yeah. They're really common, especially now that we're getting into the ADOS type features. Yeah, and that's the that amplifies it even more. Absolutely. So have been able to do even like on ADOS, you bring that's a good something if you can get into that where you are able to show what you have to, you know, take pictures of the car being, you know, what you have to do to to realign Actually, the for liability reasons, you better document what you did because if something goes wrong later on, somebody's be looking for. I mean, no consumer wants to be accountable for anything. So basically, insurance companies or lawyers are going to be looking for somewhere. So you better have documentation. You did it right and you followed the OEM procedures. And that was one of the things, one of the ways talking with the mechanics and one of the ways to help them get on board is, you know, we are in the business with doing this system, we're educating the customer, um, but we're also proving that you did the work and you know what you're doing, you're competent in it. So as a side effect of this, we have the CYA factor um, because, and then, that, then all of a sudden they start looking, oh, okay, yes, but primary is that we are educating the customer. So we're giving them the information, but we're showing everything that we did. And in the meantime, that holds up because, okay, here's what we did. And so if they come back and say, well, you didn't do this, you didn't do this. And here we have documentation that, yes, we did. And they're, ah, uh, okay, I'll go on to somebody else. So years ago, we used to repair vehicles. Now we restore complex system to operators or design when they left the factory. Yeah, a control, alt, delete, reboot. That was one of the ones there back in the day. <laughs> but that is, it's very true. I mean, they, the, the days of points and a quick little mechanical screwdriver and a matchbook, can you fix your vehicle? is is long gone and the perception of the consumer is that we're still in the uh given a screwdriver and a, and a matchbook and you can fix my car it, to the to the mechanic is is really uh for lack of a better term really a nobody because they have a computer they plug in and tells them what's wrong anybody can do that that's so the, the Fonzie effect when they expected him to walk out to the car and tap on the fender and it start right up that's or the jukebox either one yeah, <laughs> it is. Man. That's something that we it still to this day, it's getting better. But that's still something that any shop combats, if you will, is the perception of what the consumer sees, what they think of as a mechanic or a technician, um, and the fact that it is not a, a grease monkey in the back with a hammer and you know hitting things. 
well, sometimes it is if for suspension, but but a lot of times it's there's a lot more complexity to the car than they realize that what these guys gals have to do to work and fix their vehicle and keep them on the road. And the pictures and the video and the, again it kind of gives the because the tech is not talking to the consumer you know they don't they really don't intermingle very much anymore you know so many shops do if that's you know if that's your your layout but there's a lot of them that aren't that way so suddenly that gives the tech a a word you know a way to get in there and prove you know hey i I did my job i know what i'm doing and take pride in their work and show it off because they want to do that so it makes a in my in my case the my techs i've got the four of them they after about you know a couple weeks of showing them replacing what was existing with that they they took to it and liked it service advisors not so much they, that took a little bit more to get into there uh, but uh, they were a little bit more ingrained in their uh in their rut old ways yeah <clears throat> yeah but once they got past yeah. the old ways it's, it was beautiful five minutes left just a little reminder what do you think time flies time does fly and it, it's a good a lot of information i mean if there's uh, anybody that's watching this or listening to these as you say bill go back into the library and start listening to them as you're driving down the highway or if you're driving to work um, and start picking up little ideas it's phenomenal when you want to reach out to try and how do you get out of your comfort zone you know what steps do you need to take to to kind of bypass some of your old ways or get ideas to help somebody else get out of their old ways is you know, at peer to peer, you know, uh, through this, you know, this program, uh, be it on uh, online, you know, be it another grouping. Uh, there's uh, there's multiple ways to get the information, and and pick it up of how other people are doing it as well. So when you're talking about the stored up uh, digital shop talk episodes, they can find them by going to digital shop talk radio. And if they actually want to go ahead and chat with their peers in a chat, they go to the Facebook forum for the digital shop talk. Um, yep in Facebook and go and join in there. And, um, you know, we've had so many really good owners um, actually on over the years as panelists that are always willing to go in and communicate. And, uh, you know, sometimes they'll go ahead and start that conversation online. And then like you do, you go ahead and, you know, I guess you stalk other shop owners, call them up and say, Hey, how do we do this? <laughs> well, not quite stalking, but a little bit, maybe a little, just a little. <laughs> But it is interesting, but the information you can get, it, it just takes a little bit of time. Um, and it's, but it's, it's so the return on investment is so good. It's so well, mm -hmm. well worth it. And it is not, it's not worth holding on to your old habits. Oh, it's worth taking that risk again, run with the fear, you know, the fear of failure that you're going to do something wrong, run with it and turn it into something good. So what are your top three things that some shop should focus on when they're changing from the old way? to the new ways? What are the top three areas of their business they should focus focus on? I would say one of the first things before making a big change like that would have to be shop culture. Make sure you've got a good a good group of people that work together well and and, and want to work together well. You know, you don't, you're not already having internal strife going on. Uh, that's not worth it. It'll cause a lot of other issues. Um, but also include, so that way you can include your team in the discussion of, of, of going digital and some of the benefits that you feel and let them think about, let them ask questions back um, and then see, okay, what to, and get them to, you know, get that conversation going on that. 
the I can't stress enough how you know the, the team part of it. That's what's made a big difference for us. Uh, the, the shop culture and the team back and forth, okay, in, in, including, you know, it doesn't matter if it's your GS guy or your A-Tech or C-Tech or your front counter guy, whoever it is, you know, ask them questions, have them have, get their input. And that will make the transition a lot easier. And kind of my takeaways I got from you today is that the top three things maybe to focus on is that drop off the experience with the customer your internal communication between the service riders and the techs and getting the service rider to go ahead and let go, let the customer go ahead and review the results and, you know, call the shop in a, in a better position where they're educated in a position where they're asking buying type questions. I, I would agree. Absolutely. I'm so, Do so you have anything else you want to add? I'm really thankful that you could summarize it like that, Bill. Thank you. That is actually, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, uh, that is, it's huge, but no, it's well worth it. Enjoy the, enjoy the adrenaline rush of the fear of failure and, and run with it and do it. I love that. I love that. That's the fear. Like the first time we asked you to be on a podcast, right? Right. That was the, yeah, that was the fear of the first time. Absolutely. If you have an awesome. opportunity, you know, get a hold of Bill and be on a podcast. It's good. Ubi, you have anything else you want to add before we finish up? I'm good, Ken. Thank you very much. Um, it's been a pleasure to have you on. Well, thank, so you. thank you. Thank you for having me. I enjoy it. And anybody, you know, questions or something, reach out. I'll be glad to answer anything. You know, usually you awesome. can uh, get a hold of me on Facebook. Once again, Ken, I'd like to sincerely thank you for joining. Uh, I'd like to encourage folks to go to the autovitals.com forward slash radio and look up prior episodes from uh, shop owners just like you that uh, have shared with us over the years. And um, go out there and make some money and, 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 you know, empower your staff to create happy customers and have a great day. Absolutely. Thank you. Have a good one. You bet. Bye. Bye-bye.